You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Jordan Wakelin from Mission Partner Open House. Fantastic. Well, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to sort of steal Jordan's talk. Um, But the reason that we're hearing from Open House, particularly today, is we're celebrating 50 years of the ministry of Open House. Uh, So the story goes back in 1971, uh, which is before many of us were even born, me included, um, (laughs) George Farrington, who comes to our uh, morning service here at St John's, he was the youth minister at St James Ivanhoe, and he was really convicted that the church wasn't connecting with people, young people outside the church walls. So he wanted to find a way to do that. Uh, he got together uh, with David Woods, who was in his 20s at the time. Uh, David's our treasurer here. Uh, as well as uh, John Solomon, who's, uh, those of you who know uh, Hamish Plant, his granddad. Um, and another guy, Alan Kerr, whose grandson and great-grandson are part of our morning congregation. So there's all sorts of St John's connection. And Open House was born as sort of a drop-in centre, a place to connect with young people in the area, to love them and to share the good news of Jesus with them. So it's a great story. And that's been going for 50 years, changing, evolving over the years, but with the desire to show friendship to people in the name of Jesus. So it's a wonderful thing we're celebrating. There was a big event on Friday night to celebrate that. Um, And it's just a wonderful testimony to God's faithfulness in that ministry, but also the faithful work of George and Muriel, uh, David and Pam, as well as a bunch of people who volunteered and worked over the years. Um, As well as uh, Jordan and Talisha who are with us tonight, we've got uh, Paul Burgess, who's the CEO of Open House. Um, He kind of looks like, we've got the same hairdresser and we've got glasses, so um, grab him as well after the service if you want to know more about Open House. But I'm going to hand over to Jordan, who's going to speak to us tonight. So thanks, mate. Oh, Bible reading. Yeah, we better better have the Bible. Um, And so Di's going to do that first. Sorry, Jordan. All right. Our reading tonight is from Luke 5, 17 to 26. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went onto the roof And they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. 
but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Well, good evening, everybody. How are we going this evening? We could get a little bit interactive and loud with one another. I'm going to put this out there at the very start of my message. I have never spoken to an Anglican congregation in my life. I am a happy, clappy Pentecostal, so we're going to get loud tonight. So I hope you're all ready. But it is fantastic to be here with all of you this evening. And it's awesome to get to share with you all in person tonight as well. The last time I got to share with you all was via Zoom, which meant I sat in my room, had about four or five takes that you'll never see that didn't make it. And you got the sixth take, which was awesome. But there is no take backs tonight. So whatever happens up on here stays on here. But we're all friends, aren't we, in this place? Look at that, my Pentecostalism is showing. But my name is Jordan. I'm the Relationships Manager at Open House Christian Involvement Centres. Now, that does not mean if you are single, I can help you get into a relationship. I'm sorry, that's not in my KPIs or job description. But what does a Relationships Manager do? I see a few of you thinking here. I have the great privilege of getting to tell the stories of Open House and working with some of our incredible partners, such as St. John's as well. So I'm the talking guy. Anyone who sort of hangs out with me and staff will know I like a good talk, so I hope you're ready for the next three and a half hours of your evening. It's going to be incredible. That was a joke, terrible preacher joke. I apologise. But sincerely, I would like to say a big sincere thank you to Reverend Tim and Reverend Kirk as well for having myself and Paul here at both this morning's service and this evening's service. And... It is my great hope that by the end of this sort of time that we get to share with one another tonight, you're going to get to know a little bit more about who Open House are and what we do. But so I sort of know who I'm speaking to tonight, give me a wave if you've never heard of Open House. Awesome, good. The rowdy bunch that I was sitting in front of as well, playing with the shapes. I was like, if you're going to eat some shapes, hook me up. You know how it is. Well, hopefully by the end of tonight, you'll all know a little bit more about Open House, which will be great. But can I ask another question tonight as well? Give me a wave if you know what social isolation is. For many of us, we're all too familiar with this term after the events of last year, especially right here in Metro Melbourne. For quite a few of us, we got a taste of what it feels like to be stuck at home unable to go out and see our friends, loved ones, or even just to go sit in a cafe and pay for an overpriced cup of coffee. And in the grand scheme of things, this shared moment of liminality that we all walked through last year has came and gone. And if I could be so bold and honest, for many of us, the return to normal and status quo has happened a lot quicker than we thought it would have as well. It's hard to believe that there even was a pandemic like we saw, but we only have to turn on the news to say that the rest of the world is not in the same position we are. And for many of us, I know it does seem almost like a bad dream, like a distant memory at this point. But I wanted to pause this evening and I want us to think back to that particularly, that second lockdown that we went through, where we were only allowed to leave our homes for four reasons. 
where we were only allowed to travel five kilometres and that we couldn't even meet up in a room like this together to worship. I want us to go back to that moment this evening because for many of the people that Open House serves, this is their daily experience. For some of our Tuesday meal members who come together to share a meal together on a Tuesday night, this meal with other people is their only point of connection with the broader community during the whole week. Often, I can find myself taking moments of going out for meals with friends and family for granted because it happens on a regular occurrence and I'm sure that's true for many of us in this room. But when I see the photos of these people smiling and interacting with each other on a Tuesday night, knowing that that is their only point of connection, it makes me stop and put things in perspective. Because for the members of the open house community who use our services, social isolation isn't just a buzzword that's popular in the news right now. For these people, this is their daily experience, as I said. And these people don't live far away in some far off distant land. These are people in our own neighbourhoods and our own communities. And fundamentally at Open House, we believe that everyone deserves a place to belong, no matter what their background, age or where they've come from. And it has been this idea, along with Matthew 22, 35 to 40, which Paul shared about this morning, that has been the driving idea behind Open House since 1971. And for those that are quick at maths, which wasn't me, you would have worked out that Open House is turning 50 years old this year, as Reverend Tim said, which is an incredible achievement for any organisation. And this is because of the support of the churches like St John's, that we've been able to reach this milestone. So sincerely on behalf of myself and the team, thank you. We'll be touching on the founding story of Open House a little bit later on, as Reverend Tim alluded to as well, which I've only fully just learnt about what happened a few weeks ago where I had the great privilege of going to sit down with the founders, Georgia Muriel Farrington, as well as David and Pam Woods, to hear directly from the people that were there at its moments of inception. And before we get into that, though, I just wanted to take a quick moment to give a bit of an overview for those of us who may not know what do the programs look like at Open House? How do we tackle social isolation? So does that sound all right with everyone? I'll take your stunned silence as a yes. Since our founding in 1971, there have been a number of different developments throughout the course of Open House, as you can probably imagine, over a 50-year period. And I'm not about to go and to give you 50 years' worth of history because then we would be here for a lot longer than three and a half hours. But fundamentally, the core work of Open House has never changed. To tackle social isolation and to give people a place to belong. Our programs cover a wide range of ages, including school students. Our youth workshop mentoring program, which Steve, who's sitting over there in the white shirt, leads, is an incredible program that seeks to engage at-risk school students who have refused traditional forms of education. And it's our hope as they're a part of this program that they'll re-engage either with school, find a trade, or engage with another form of education. This program has a waiting list for it that shows you the need that is out there in our community. We're not just sticking with young people, though. We also cover a wide range of range ages, going all the way through to the more senior members of our community. I'm going to say that in a nice way, not to offend some of them that are sitting in the room. But our Wednesday Club Work program provides a space for a number of our elderly members from local nursing homes who often 
once again, open house is their only form of connection during the week. This Wednesday program is incredible. It gives these people that will never have an opportunity to go out to places like Wallen, to King Lake, to get to meet new people and have that friendship that we all take for granted. That happens every single Wednesday. For these people, open house is a place to belong. And there are so many more programs that we could dive into together, including a backyard sports bike hut program, which is in the heart of Heidelberg West every Thursday evening, which provides a safe place for young people to be active by trying different sports. The bike hut component of this program recycles second-hand push bikes to give to local community members who would otherwise never have access to a push bike. And some of the stories that you see when someone receives a push bike, I know once again it probably sounds like something we'd all take for granted, but for a lot of these young people, having a mode of transport to ride around is a game changer. Another one of our incredible programs is the Friday Club program, which caters to those who are vulnerable members of our community that have a disability by providing them once again with outings and activities that they would otherwise never have access to due to their state of life. And these are only some of the programs and I've only provided a 10,000 foot view of what Open House does because I'm very conscious of time. But if you would like to know any more or any more detail about our programs, please come see myself, Paul or one of the other staff members that's here as well tonight and we would love to have a conversation with you. But this evening, I did want to spend some time in the Word of God together as Open House is proudly a Christian organisation. And we truly do believe that God is at the centre of our work. And as we continue to love our neighbours as ourselves, we are thankful for the protection and the provision that we've received over the last 50 years. But before we get into it tonight, would it be okay if I took a quick moment to pray with you all? I know it's not on the run sheet, Kirk, I apologise. Father, I thank you for the last 50 years Open House has had. Lord, I thank you for communities like St. John's that have partnered with the incredible work of Life and House, of Open House, Father. Lord, I pray that as we stand here tonight, looking back at 50 years, we also look to the future as well, Father. Continue to speak to the leadership of Open House as we look to what the future is. Lord, I pray tonight as we spend this time together, the word permeates deep, Father, and our ears are open in our hearts. We love you so much, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, I wanted to quickly jump into Luke chapter 5, which was our reading for tonight as well. But we'll be focusing specifically on verses 17 to 20 together, which if you've been around churches for a while, you're probably very familiar with this story, especially if you've done kids' church, of where Jesus heals a paralysed man who was lowered down through a roof by his friends. This entire passage of Scripture is so theologically rich and we can spend a lot of time pulling it apart verse by verse. But I highly encourage you to go read this full passage of Scripture and you get time during the week as well. But for the purposes of time, we're going to condense it down a little bit while still giving context. Luke, who most scholars agree authored this book, points out the opposition to Jesus by the religious leaders around him. And this is a theme that we see explored throughout the book of Luke. And specifically for this passage of Scripture, one of the major themes we see explored here is Jesus providing divine proof that he not only has the power to heal, but he also has the authority to forgive sins, which points directly to his divine nature. So reading together from verse 17 to 20. 
And on, and on one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who come from every village of Galilee and Judah and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralysed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he, Jesus, said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. From here, we see Jesus and the teachers and the Pharisees have a bit of an exchange with one another regarding Jesus' divinity. And then Jesus once again shows his divinity by physically healing the man in verse 24. And as we touched on before, there is so much we can dive into here. But I want to specifically look at the friends of this man who had the boldness and dare I say it, even the audacity to help their friend by going above and beyond for him. Charles Spurgeon spoke on the quality of the men who would bring a friend to Jesus in such a way saying, they need be strong for the burden is heavy. They need be resolute for the work will try their faith. They need be prayerful for otherwise they labour in vain. They must be believing or they will be utterly useless. The Enduring Word commentary says of these same friends, their faith could be seen. Their bold, determined action to bring their friend to Jesus proved that they had real faith. There is something lacking in faith if it can never be seen. When I dwelt and meditated on this story, it stirred something in me. It forced self-reflection as I thought, would I go to this effort for a friend? Because these friends didn't just turn up and go, oh, well, this place looks packed. Looks like we'll have to come back another time. No, they looked up at the roof and knew if they could just get their friend to Jesus, then he would be healed. It wasn't about their strength, but it was about Jesus's power and authority. These friends knew that only Jesus could help their friend. So they did something about it. And as I was preparing, I was reminded about John's words in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, which I in fact have stuck on my computer monitor at Open House. And those words read, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. As I touched on earlier, Open House has existed continuously for 50 years this year. And I recently had the great privilege to go and sit with not only the founders of Open House, Georgia Muriel, who come to this church here, but also David and Pam as well. And I got to hear the Open House story directly from them. And I wanted to tell you that story in greater detail tonight as well, because it really did trigger something inside me. In 1970, Georgia Muriel Farrington were the youth leaders at a local church in Ivanhoe. And this may be hard to believe for some of the younger dudes in the room right now, but Ivanhoe wasn't the affluent, slightly hipsterish suburb that we know it as today. It was a little bit rougher, they tell me. In fact, in the suburb next door to Ivanhoe, Heidelberg West, the police at the time were dealing with quite a serious gang problem. Then one day, a group of these young gang members started attending the youth group. And as you could probably already work out, these young gang members were not like the other youth that were already attending this youth group. To call it a clash of cultures would be an understatement. And tensions began to mount between not only the gang members, 
but the church youth kids and even the church community themselves as well. One of these young gang members walked up to George Farrington and I've got exactly what he said to him written down here. Why haven't you got anything for us? You have something for the goody-goody church kids, yet our home is like hell and we only have the pub to go to. Doesn't anyone care about me and my mates? Could you imagine what it must have been like to hear those words? Not only that, but to hear those words from a teenager, hearing that the only option they had was either to go to the pub and drink because not even the youth group or the church could provide them a space. As believers and followers of Christ, aren't we meant to welcome all people and love our neighbours as ourselves, as we see in Matthew 22, 34 to 40? After George heard these words, he went and shared them with his wife, Muriel. He couldn't shake this conviction and felt God was telling him to do something. So he gathered in a room with some of his closest friends, including David Wood sitting at the back, in the front room of a house and decided to do something. They decided to put action to their faith and to provide a place to belong for these young people. But not only that, to also provide these young people with unconditional friendship. And it was in this moment that Open House was born. And what I love about this story and the heritage of, of Open House is that when all this happened, these people that decided to do something were in their mid-20s to mid-30s. They knew that the church at the time couldn't provide the space for these young people. So they went to them and met them where they were at. And I don't know about you, but I find that level of faith inspiring. That from a conviction and hearing from the call of God, the response wasn't, that sounds really hard. But it was, Lord, we trust you. We trust we've heard from you. And here we are 50 years later on from that moment. On this past Friday evening, Open House had the great privilege of getting to celebrate its 50th anniversary with an evening at the Ivanhoe Town Hall, which was quite symbolic because from the car park of that building, you can actually see the original Open House premises. It's now a yoga studio, so read into that what you will. But one of the really special moments was that the gang member that challenged George with those words was at this evening. 50 years on, he was there with everyone else celebrating this achievement. And because of the work of Open House, his life was changed forever. Throughout Open House's 50-year history, there have been so many stories like this. There are also some truly heartbreaking stories as well. But what shines through in all of these stories is this idea of friendship. Not every story is a good story. And in 50 years, as I touched on, there have been some hard stories. But what has never changed is this commitment to long-term friendship and being a place to belong. And going full circle back to our reading in Luke chapter 5, those friends chose to do something. But what about for all those people in our community that don't have friends? What about those people that don't have someone to bring them to Jesus for forgiveness, healing and restoration? And there are a number of people like this at Open House still to this day. 
And whilst we're very careful not to force anything upon anyone, it is our hope that as a team, through being accepted, cared for and supported, that they will see something different about us. That through our actions, that they will see that there is another way to live, that there is hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. For many of our community members, simply being able to sit down and talk with someone and to be listened to can, be, can have a profound impact upon them. And it's not just the people that use our services that leave changed. It's also the staff and volunteers. We learn so much from these people that society has often forgotten or simply put in the too hard basket. And once again, these aren't people that live far away from us. These are people in our community. These are our neighbours. I've had the great pleasure of working for Open House for just over four years now, which uh, makes me very young in the grand scheme of things compared to some of our other staff members. But one of the most profound moments came very early on when I started at Open House and I had the great pleasure to go and share with our Bible Fellowship Program, which is a group of people who have been meeting together for the full 50 years to sing songs, share the word and a time of fellowship with one another. The fact that they're still practising their faith after 50 years was still deeply moving and inspiring to a millennial like me. But that isn't even the profound moment. I walked in, Bible in hand, tattoos covered up, you know how it is. And there was a gentleman sitting on the couch to my right. So I decided to sit down next to him and we began to talk. And as we were talking, he shared with me how he loved coming to Bible fellowship because usually when he was out and about, Everyone avoided him due to his disability. But when he was at Bible Fellowship, he felt like he was accepted, that he was with friends and that he loved that he could be around people and talk to them about Jesus. He loved that people would talk to him and that they didn't see his disability, but they saw him as a brother in Christ, even when he himself was feeling down. This man then thanked me for coming down and sitting with him and just really listened because he said, as most young people just walk past me. And I told him that he didn't need to thank me, but it was me who should be thanking him. At Open House, this man had found friendship. He had found acceptance. He had found a place to belong. And I truly believe at my core that everyone deserves a place to belong. His story is only one of many over the last 50 years. And I'm proud to stand here today in front of you and say there's still stories like this happening at Open House to this very day. But before I close this evening, I just wanted to read the words from Luke 5, 18 to 20 again. Just then, some men came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralysed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Everyone deserves to have friends who will step into the gap for them and help. As we reflected upon when we started our time together, we can all understand social isolation to some extent. But because of the incredible support of St. John's, we're able to help members of the community find a place to belong. So I wanted to end once again by saying a sincere thank you 
to your entire church community for your incredible support of Open House because it really does help us practically support our programs, be that the Youth Workshop Mentoring Program, Club Work Program, or even the Bible Fellowship Program. I also wanted to sincerely extend an invite to each and every single one of you sitting here tonight that if you ever find yourself driving past Open House in McLeod, why not pop in? Say hi, we'll make you a coffee, and I would love to take you for a walk around to see the people of Open House. And finally, before I hand back over to Linda for the evening, I wanted to close with this thought. George and David were in their mid-20s to 30s when they decided to listen to the call of God and do something. So for all my fellow mid-20s to mid-30s or even younger in the room, what's stopping us? God bless. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.